This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 20th edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Today is our special guest. We have an attorney and author, Jody Woodruff. Jody, I'm going to give a little background about you before I start uh, pounding away with, with some questions. Jody uh, Woodruff is an attorney. She has a law degree, which she obtained, I believe, in 1993 from the University of Cincinnati Law School. Jody has considerable experience in the area of labor and antitrust law. I believe Jody uh, worked as an intern on the very uh, well-known Freeman McNeil free agency NFL lawsuit in the 90s, which we'll learn a little bit about. Jody is an expert on the nuances and details of the esoteric topic of NFL free agency. Jody is the author of a newly published book. Let me try to give the full title, Jody. Free Agency in Pro Football, the Concise Legal History of Free Agency in Pro Football. But I believe, Jody, you kind of go by the shorter version of free agency in pro football. So we'll probably go by that version. Um, I do recommend that people take a look at Jody's website, freeagencyprofootball.com. It's a very readable website and viewer friendly, and it gives the history and details of the NFL free agency issue. And I got to tell you, it's one of the better breakdowns of the topic of NFL free agency I've ever seen, Jody's website. So I recommend that people take a look at it. Jody, today we're going to learn more about you and your career and all sorts of issues on the subject of, of the NFL free agency issue. Jody, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Nice to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely, Jody, and I look forward to our conversation. Um, Jody, can you tell us a little bit about your brat gown that got you so absorbed in this very unique and esoteric topic of the free agency issue in the National Football League? Absolutely. Uh, I was a labor relations attorney, and I, while I was in law school, I was doing a uh, two-year extensive project on the McNeil case that was happening in the NFL at the time, and I was up in the courthouses and everything going through their cases. I got their transcripts and, and um, the, the whole nine yards, and I just fell totally in love with the subject matter. It was so interesting to learn about NFL free agency and to uh, to um, uh, learn about the labor relations side of it was just cutting edge labor relations. It's labor relations I've never seen before, and you'll never see it in the real world because it's a monopoly in the NFL, so they can do that. But in the real world, there's too much there's too much money on the line to have this kind of protracted labor relations like you see in the NFL. So it just really it's just something that I I fell in love with, and I decided later in life I stopped what I was doing work wise professional career and went off and I actually started working at McDonald's, believe it or not. So I could write a book on free agency because I wanted the free time to write a book on free agency and found that working at McDonald's is such hard labor that you really want to get done the project you're working on. So it definitely motivated me to get this project done and to put this book out. And now I have the book out and I'm back working as a lawyer again. And it feels good to be back in the office, believe me, because I worked really hard at McDonald's. Well, I <laughs> bet you a hard did. Job. It's like a boot camp to life. It's what I, I, I think everyone should should try it once just to see because it's really hard work. It's oh, for sure. Gave, gave you some perspectives, I, I bet. Well, it, you know, as, I, as we talked about off the air, Jody, I'm a sports fan and an attorney, but the NFL free agency issue and free agency in general, I mean, it kind of goes in one year out and out the other. It, it's, it's a complex subject, isn't it? It's very complex. It's, it's, it's a mesh of antitrust law with labor relations. It's all about labor relations because they're trying to settle a contract, and free agency is a core issue that is very passionate for the players, and it's very 
compelling for management. So it's always they're always at the table. And the NFLPA, the players, have chosen to go to antitrust with their case law after they fail at the table. And I don't know what made them pick antitrust, but that's where they traditionally have gone. So it's it's a very in, interwoven case law of antitrust with mixes of labor relations, and it's very complex. It's really hard to read. It took me years to really digest and read it and analyze it and interpret it so I could get to the point where I could write the book on it. Yeah, now you have a book out and a great website on the subject. Well, Jody, um, I know the basics of the definition, but give the listeners a kind of a 15-, 20-second definition of what a, of, of free agency. What, what is a free agent exactly? A free agent is a person who has the freedom to move to any employment that they want without any movement restrictions that are placed upon them by their employer. That's a great working definition. And and it's interesting, Jody, because there's some, you know, restrictions, but for the most part, a lawyer, a doctor, a plumber, so many people in different careers if they want to pack up and and move to a different location or go work for a different business, Sure, there's non-compete agreements and so forth, but for most most of the time, you can do it. Why do you think free agency is is still so controversial in pro sports? It's it's so controversial because it's the only place in this country where they're not free to just go to whatever company they want to go to once they get their degrees and everything set up to go on. The, the analogy that I saw that was the best analogy was a Denver Law Review article that talks about a lawyer who graduates from Harvard top of their class and gets drafted to go to the legal aid office in some remote city in the United States of America and makes at the most a hundred and makes at the most two hundred thousand a year where they could have been making a million a year in New York in a prime location. That that's the equivalent to free agency and that's why it's so controversial because it's we're in a society where Everyone has freedom to, to move and to market their services. The NFL owners got where they are with their billions of dollars by freely marketing themselves. Yet players are restricted and can't market, market themselves and move to other teams as they see fit because of these free agency issues. Well, I really like your lawyer analogy. It's, it's a really good one. And uh, Jody, the, the subject of antitrust law overlaps with free agency quite a bit. Can you tell us how antitrust law and the subject of free agency and pro football overlap so much? Oh, sure, yes. What happens is the players will go out and deal. But it started when, in 1968, the union formed for the players. And they went out on strike in the 70s for, it was, their strike mantra was, no, no freedom, no play. That was the sign that they held. The strike failed, and they took it to court, and the players chose the venue of antitrust law to fight their lawsuit for the labor relations issues that were on the table, which was freedom, free agency, the right to move to other teams. Back in the 70s, they could a player couldn't move at all. They were locked in for life to one team. It right. was called the Pete Rozelle rule, and it was just archaic. It was just terrible. The, the, the fact patterns that came up were just terrible in that time period. So they fought in the court case for under antitrust law, and in antitrust law, there's a rule that says that it's unfair to restrain trade in um, the in in in, in it's unfair to Sherman Act trade in competition and blocking competition between two parties. And they what they traditionally have found is that the NFL teams getting together and colluding on a contract is a violation of that clause because they are 
making a, a, an agreement to not compete with each other in the industry for player services. So it's been traditionally found to be definitely, without a doubt, a violation of antitrust law. There's never a question about that part. But it gets very, very difficult because when they sue, um, a non-labor exemption comes up that says that because they're covering the labor relations, is the NFL exempt from antitrust law? And sometimes the NFL wins that case, sometimes they lose that case. And then in other situations, um, they, they, um, have fought over the right to um, have to be free from antitrust restrictions and have lost that battle. Sometimes they've won that battle. So it's been kind of an interesting case in the court history, and it's all been fought in antitrust law, but they're fighting labor relations. Without a doubt, it's a labor relations struggle that's been going on. Well, I really enjoy your analysis, Jody, a lot there. This is Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with lawyer and author of the uh, new book, Free Agency and Pro Football, Jody Woodruff. Um, Jody, baseball has, for the most part, an antitrust exemption. I know that the Curt Flood Act, which Congress passed about 1998, limits it a tab, but, but baseball pretty much still has a antitrust exemption. At least that's my understanding. Um, can you tell us, Jody, for a minute, how football and baseball are different when it comes to free agency and antitrust issues? Sure. You know what I can tell you? I thought the same thing you thought that baseball is exempt with that Kurt, the, the, the flood case and the flood versus Kuhn. And it was the case that traditionally baseball has always been exempt by the Supreme Court. However, Congress passed a law, with, I think it was in 2009, that said baseball is now also covered by antitrust law. Interesting. So they're no longer exempt. Yeah, so they're the same football. And it was just an aberration in the Supreme Court Back in the time when they decided the baseball case, it was really Smallville, and they decided that there was no interstate commerce that warranted uh, antitrust look and feel. So they said that there was no case. And then they, via star diseases, they refused to change that and modify it to a more modern society, even though football, they found with the Radovich decision, was definitely definitely covered under antitrust law, and there's definitely commerce, and baseball was the same. They refused to revisit their precedent, and there was the famous uh, flood case where that got a lot of attention, and then they ended up passing a law that changed that situation with baseball. So now baseball is also covered under antitrust law. Yeah, I read there was a 1998 law that Congress passed called the Flirt Kurt Flood Act. I did, has there been some legislation subsequent to that in terms of Congress addressing baseball's antitrust exemption? Well, I I think I I, I want to say it was in two hundred eight two hundred nine, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe it was ninety eight. I know I read I read the statute itself and found that it definitely that they're definitely um, now covered under antitrust law like everybody else. But I'm not sure of the date on it. Well, be, being the sports nerds that we are, Joey, we'll, we'll have to look that up later, won't we? Oh yeah, you bet. Definitely, I'll send you an email on it. But like once I get it, yeah, because I have it at work. I have the statutes at work. Well, I just, look forward uh, to look forward to learning more about it. Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio, with author and lawyer Jody Woodruff. Jody, a minute ago you mentioned the 1957 NFL case of Radovich versus NFL, and uh, the case went to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Bill Radovich refused to play for the Detroit Lions. He basically got blackballed and won at the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, 
I, I believe it's an important early NFL free agency case. Jody, why don't you think we hear about Joe, about Bill Radovich that much? We hear about, we hear about Kurt Flood. We hear about Spencer Haywood in basketball. Why don't we hear about this uh, Radovich case that much? It seems like. You know, it's a good question. It's, it's what paved the way so the NFL can be sued in antitrust law. So it's the premier case and it's, uh, it's a very big case. The rate of his decision is very, it's very, it's a sad case where his father was sick on the West Coast so he was trying to get to San Francisco to be with his father and Detroit Lions wouldn't release him and then he got blacklisted in the industry and even though there was competing leagues at the time, he still couldn't play, be a coach for another league because that other league got warned by the NFL that if they would not, that they would hire him, that they would put sanctions against them or something like that back in time. So it was a really sad case, but he ended up winning the decision. Right. And there should be more said on it because it's a seminal case. It really is the case that has laid the foundation to which all these cases have followed. No doubt. I mean, you probably, Jody, today have a lot of NFL players who are still involved in the free agency fight who may not even know the name Bill Radovich. Yeah, it's true. I, it's very true. There's a lot of famous cases that have to deal with the NFL case law, like Reggie White's decision is famous, um, Mackie decision is famous, the McNeil case is famous, the Powell decision is famous, the Reynolds case is another famous case. That's where they settled the Mackie dispute. There's a lot of famous cases and some a lot that's come out of this this NFL strife with NFL Players Association and the, and the players. Sometimes the players sue, sometimes the union sues. Great background. By the way, Jody, I should apply for some CLE credits for uh, having this uh, conversation with you on the legalities of NFL and uh, free agency in football. You should. <laughs> no, I think it'd be a great CLE topic, a little lawyer-to-lawyer talk here. Okay, um, so you mentioned earlier, Jody, this is Paul Schneiderman, a host, and st- host of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with lawyer and author Jody Rudruff. Um, Jody, you mentioned earlier um, the Roselle rule and... Commissioner Roselle, under that rule, the late commissioner, um, was able to compensate any team with money or draft picks. Um, it clearly diluted free agency. Um, but I guess that the Mackey versus NFL case in 1976 changed that. Tell us how the Mackey case changed. Sure, yeah. The Mackey decision was a phenomenal case. In it, the Court of Appeals decided that the players were right, there was an antitrust violation, and they were entitled to free agency. It it really came out of the decision. However, after the Mackey decision, they went into the Reynolds case settlement. It was called the Class Action Reynolds case. And the players settled the issue of free agency at the table with the NFL and gave up that right to free agency. And now are under the collective bargaining agreement, they have provisions that forbid free agency and the NFL that they have to honor because of that Reynolds decision, but they got a substantial payout financially for making that, for signing that package deal. That's so interesting. Well, why would the players bargain away free agency to, on many levels, Jody? You know, I, I think it's, you know, I asked the same question. I'm just shocked. I'm yeah. like, one free agency twice, because they also went away with the McNeil case in 93 with the, with the jury, and they gave it away twice in the collective bargaining table. But I think it's much more complex, because the labor relations, it's very hard to move anything at the table. And it was a new union, and I think it's much more complex for the players. I think the players probably fear free agency sometimes as much as the union. I talk to agents all the time, and I had one agent tell me that it would be pure chaos if there was free agency in the NFL. And that was an agent talking, not 
the NFL talking. So there's fear in, in on the part of the players that what would happen in a world of free agency as much as there's fear in the owners, believe it or not. I yeah, interesting perspective. Team. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. So um, back to that question about why the players would 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 bargain away on many levels their free agency rights. Part of it's just just collective bargaining association, collective bargaining negotiations, huh? I'm sorry, can you say that again? Yeah, sorry if my question didn't come out very well. Is part of it why players may end up settling for diluted free agency? Part of it's just as a result of collective bargaining agreement negotiations, right? Yeah, it's resolved at the table. They come up with language at the table that restricts free agency, and in exchange, the union gets benefits. Um, like, but, like for example, in 211, they they had the Tom Brady case, and that case settled with the contract agreement. And what they got out of it was a billion dollars in pension plan benefits. They got a salary cap increase. Um, they, they just purported to get more wages, and supposedly the NFL was in a bind where they were going to lose TV rights, so they were going to lose revenue, so they asked for concessions at the table from the union. Now, the union now, today, says that was hogwash, basically, that that wasn't the case, that the union had problems and everything that they said came true, but management said they had problems and they actually made like twice as much money than what they said they were going to make, so it wasn't true. So they're they're bearing down right now for a big fight in 221 that they have already warned the players will involve at least a strike or a, or a lockout again, and so they should plan financially to be out of work that year because they, they're planning on taking it to the, to the, to the wall on this one. Well, Jody, I'm going to ask you some more questions about the 2011 uh, collective bargaining agreement. But before going there, Jody, you did some work on the famous Freeman McNeil free agency case. Tell us a little bit more about that case and the kind of work that you did on it. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I, what I did was I was in law school and I did, I started, I did a seminar where I invited Tom DePasso from the Players Association to come and speak. He was general counsel for the Players Association. He came in and spoke at the seminar and we were talking. He was telling me about the free agency issue and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. So I started studying it and then I did an independent project in law school that amounted to three credits in 18 weeks where I wrote a paper, a specialized paper on McNeil, and I worked with Mike Brown from the NFL and Tom DePasso very closely from the Players Association that both their sides, and I ended up writing a very fair perspective that was it was about 50 pages and it was equal, kind of like a thesis statement, and it was equal to both the NFL and the union because at the time I kind of was divided because I think that the players should be in labor relations for their battle on antitrust law, but at the same time, I agreed with them that they should have free agency. So I kind of was divided 50-50 back in time when I was young. Now <laughs> I feel much stronger in, in, in favor of the players than ever before. As I, as I age, I realize more with experience how valuable it is to have your freedom and how much, how much that must feel to not be able to be free to go to another team, how that must feel very, very bad for players. So I, I'm much more sympathetic to them now. But back then I was kind of thinking they should be in labor relations for what they're doing, not in antitrust court. Now you're a little bit more pro-players' uh, rights then. I'm sorry, what was that? You're a little bit more pl- pro-players' rights now. Yeah, I, I am. I swung. I, my, when I wrote the paper, I went back and forth between Mike Brown's opinion and Tom DePasso's opinion, and I kind of came out even. I kind of walked the fine line and came out even with it. And I felt kind of bad about it, but I didn't take one side or the other. 
And at the time, I was a labor relations attorney. And I was in my career. And I just didn't feel strongly for one side or the other. I thought they both had compelling points. So I kind of took both sides to heart and, and wrote a pretty even paper. But since then, I the more I think about it, the more I get kind of outraged that they're not free to move to other teams like everyone else's. Because it's just in the world of today in our society, I, just, I can't believe that there's a whole large section of society that can't freely just move to another team when they want to move to another team. And they will stay. Like Aaron Rodgers is a great example of a guy who works for a small market, Green Bay Packers, but yet he has gotten lucrative contracts with them, and he wants to be that main quarterback for that small market. So he could have played for the West Coast. That's where he's from. But he has stayed with Green Bay the whole time faithfully, and they've had good working contracts with him. He doesn't get paid the most, but he gets paid a pretty competitive salary. Interesting. Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with my special guest, author uh, Jody Woodruff. Uh, Jody, real quickly, the McNeil case back in the 90s, uh, my general interpretation of it, tell me if this is correct, is that um, the jury found the NFL system too restrictive. So the courts didn't necessarily toss out free agent, the, the concept of restricting free agency, but they found those particular restrictions uh, too restrictive. Is that a, is that a bad general way of breaking it down? Kind of. They they actually did say that the restrictions were illegal. It was a violation of antitrust law. Okay. But that case was. You're right about that case. Just decided it for the eight players, and some got money, some didn't. Okay. But after that case came the Jackson decision, and in that decision, the judge because only because of McNeil. Because that carried through to, I think, collateral estoppel. I'm not sure of my terms here if that's right, but it carried through to their case, and they decided, the judge decided free agency for all the players involved, and, and they, they all got better contracts, and it was a great deal. So then they came up to the Reggie White decision, which was a class action. The NFL was facing a heavy battle because they, because if one judge had already declared free agency for all the players involved, there's limited free agency, but all players got better contracts. And they were like, this is not going to, this boat is sinking fast. So they settled it with players and they paid out a huge amount of money, like $440 million in the settlement to get, to buy out basically the players so they could get restrictions back in place in the contract before the Reggie White decision became detrimental and really did come out and publicly declare free agency to be the, the player restrictions to be illegal in the whole industry, which is where it was heading at that time. Boy, I really, really like your breakdown. It's, it's, it's so informational, Jody. Okay. So the famous 2011 lockout, and you mentioned earlier that there was the NFL and the players cut a deal that now lasts through 2021. In that deal, I believe it takes four years of experience to be an unrestricted free agent. You need to have three years of experience to become a restricted free agent. But Jody, as your website mentions, I want to mention that people go to Jody's website. Um, it is freeagencyprofootball.com. You mentioned that free agency is just so diluted because many players don't even play the three or four years to become unrestricted so or restricted true. free agents. It's so true. That's the real stat. And when I was in the 90s working on this, Tom DePasso told me the stat was four years. So that it was An average player lasted four years. Now we're in the two, two almost 220s. We're at 218 now. And it's actually gone down to 3.3 years. So the average player now is playing 3.3 years. So it's actually getting worse for the player as time goes by. 
It really, it really has. It seems like, despite some of the legal gains that have been going on for decades, you know, way back to the, the Radovich case in the fifties. So, Jody, I got a question for you. Um, could you ever see the courts just completely tossing out restrictions on free agency completely? I mean, for example, should there even be a draft? I mean, could there ever just be a milestone decision where? NFL players or players of the leagues, for that matter, can just move around without any restrictions? Or do you think we'd ever get to that level of freedom of movement? I think if we get to it, it'll come in the NFL. And I think they've been darn close. I think the Reggie White decision would have done it, but they settled the case. If the players were to hold on one of these cases for once instead of settling it, they might get it and they might throw out free agency, and they might throw out player restrictions completely. And I see that seminal case coming up down the road for some reason. I don't know why, because everything factually says it's not going to happen, Jody. But I do think it's going to happen, and I think there's going to be a day that we're going to be ashamed as a nation that we even had these player restrictions in our legal history, as we've had other stains in our history of, of the law, too. Sure. I mean, nobody ever thought that the, the Supreme Court would completely legalize gay marriage. Look what happened in 2015. So I, I guess you never know, huh? Right. That's true. Never know. Jody, um, your website's really interesting, and it shows that free agency really restricts the amount of money that players can make. Um, give us a little a little background on that. Yeah, I actually did some research on it. I started doing research on players in, from a different perspective, but I ran across this remarkable stat that all these players jump up in their third to their fifth year to at least $10 million more in their salaries. So I decided to run 100 of the top players. And it's just the top players. It's not the lower players. It's just the 100 top players. But it was a lot. And it was big, big statistics. It took me forever to do this. And to see what, how much money they would make if they were, once they jumped from their, their fourth year to their fifth year. And it was fourth to the fifth or fourth to the fourth to sixth or something like that. It was or the third. It was something of that nature. And I came across these numbers. Six million was the low that they, uh, that's the low. That's bringing the quarterbacks into the game because the quarterbacks kind of changed the perspective on it. Uh, six million was the low. Twelve million was the high. That was the mean of the, um, of the top 20 to 40 players. And then eight million was the average. So that meant that the players see a jump of about $8 million when they go to free agency from the restricted players. I couldn't get over it. Your, your study was so interesting. Yeah. Well, Jody, we're almost winding down. I hate to be abrupt. I could talk to you for many uh, more minutes about this whole subject. Hope you have you back one day. What's in the future for, for Jody Woodruff? Uh, well, right now I'm working on a new book. I'm talking with agents, and I'm on the verge of talking to players, and they've all so far been wonderful. The players have been great. The agents have been great. They've been very helpful. They're really teaching me the game because I'm not uh, I'm not that big on football, believe it or not. I don't know it as well as I know the other sports. Sure, seems I like you do. I know it, but I know other sports better. I just like the legal case involved in football. So these agents have been coaching me and teaching me all of the ins and outs of the game, and these players have been phenomenally wonderful, too. So I'm doing it and interviewing them, and I'm coming out with a new book that is from the perspective of the players and the agent. And then I'm doing a part two to the book that I already wrote that I just finished wrapping up a draft today that's going to be more of a handheld that is going to be kind of a pocket book that people can use to walk through this rather quickly, whereas the book I have out now is a legal book 
so it's a kind of legal treaties, and it's a little bit more technical on the legal side. This one is going to be a little lighter-sided and a little easier to read and a little bit cheaper, too. Well, Jody, can't wait to read all your books, and thank you so much for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. Thank you. It's nice to be on the radio. Can I say hi to my daughter, Isabel? She's in Seattle University. Hi, Isabel. Seattle Pacific University. <laughs> I wanted to say hi to her just, just for that. Love it. Out there in Seattle. Thanks, Jody. Let's stay in touch. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good day. You too. Goodbye.